Welcome to the Middle of Culture. I am one of your co-hosts, Eden. And I'm your other co-host, Peter. So, Peter, how you been? It is the week of Thanksgiving. We've been just chatting before we got recording about our Thanksgiving feast uh, experiences. How have you been the last couple of weeks? Uh, I've been well, you know. Work has been the same usual soul-sucking grind that it always is near the end of the year. Uh, but it was nice to have yesterday and, and today off and, and you know, I don't have to work this weekend or anything. So have a little four day weekend to sort of recharge myself for the, the coming month of December. I am currently now booking what I would consider elective surgeries out to the 22nd of December. So Ooh. Uh, yeah, not a lot of time left. Fun times. Snip, snip those vast efforts. Oh, that just happens in the office. That's not even a surgery. Oh, well then. And I'm pretty sure and I'm pretty sure I'm popular enough with those that I think the last time I heard I was booked out till February for those. Ooh, good to know. So you're the person yeah. to call if mm-hmm. I ever want one of those, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I'm, I don't know if you take my Not insurance. only am I the I mean, here's the thing. Even for some people, even cash price, like self-pay, we're cheaper than if their insurance covered it at other people because I have insisted that we be the cheapest in town. And so every time they talk about raising prices, I just inform them that if prices go up, I will no longer perform that procedure. Damn. It's sometimes, so, you know, sometimes it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> it kind of does. So, you know. But how have you been? Good. Keep him busy. Uh, have you uh, been reading or playing or watching or doing anything fun in the uh, in the cultural production department besides the thing we're going to be talking about today? No, no. Because of the thing we're going to be talking about today. Now, that's not entirely true. I have continued the usual uh, Sunday night. My youngest and I sit down and if we have an episode of Lego Masters to watch, we'll watch one episode of Lego Masters. And then we follow it with one episode of The Great British Bake Off. But that just ended. The finale was, we watched the finale last Sunday. So we don't have that anymore. Although I did suggest to him that given that Christmas time is now approaching, it might be a good time for us to institute an annual tradition of a Hawkeye rewatch during the month of December because that's got some nice Christmas vibes. And I just found that show delightful. So I think we may start that up. Um, But no, haven't really. I mean, the family, we all went to see Black Panther Wakanda forever today, which, you know, would be fun to at least talk about in passing uh, on a future episode. Once you've had a chance to see it as well. I do. I do have one question for you about Wakanda forever. Okay. On a scale Shoot. of one to Jason Momoa, how hot is Tenoch Huerta as Namor? Um, now, now, I'm not saying I'm not saying in regards to his characterization. I'm not saying in how how he is used no, in the no, film. No, 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 yeah, no. Purely no, hot. I, I know what you're going for, and and I'm gonna say that he kind of ties Jason Momoa in a different way. There's okay. there's like a there's a realness to Tenoch Huerta's. Uh, his to him that, you know, you look at Jason Momoa and he looks like he was grown in a lab somewhere. He does. And, and, and Tenach Huerta doesn't have that look. He looks like a super hot, real dude. Yeah. He's a little, like you look at him and you go, yeah, you look at him and you go, wow, he's gorgeous. But also 
he looks like he's actually human. Yeah. Which is kind of like super cool. Yeah. I I really like Tenoch Huerta. I'm glad he's getting work. I think he is inspired casting for Namor. I am very excited to eventually see the film just to see the ways in which they reinterpret the Atlanteans and Namor to be this Mesoamerican uh, civilization instead. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. But yes, I, from what I've seen in the previews and such, Tenoch is looking great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's... Uh, he, he is definitely one of the highlights of the movie for me. Well, you know, so. hopefully, hopefully we'll get more of him. Hopefully they didn't kill him. Don't spoil it, but hopefully they didn't kill him. We'll get more. I'm not of saying him. anything. I'm not saying anything. Give me, so. give me the flashback movie of the invaders. Bring, bring Chris Evans back. Bring him out of retirement. What's he doing these days? Making Buzz right? Lightyear movies, <laughs> <laughs> which I honestly haven't seen yet, even though it kind of looked fun. <laughs> No, I have no time or patience for that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. What about you, though? Any, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned before we started recording, I think that's when it was, that uh, you were playing some game that made you pay attention to it. Yeah. I. Uh, so last time we talked, I talked about how much I enjoyed uh, um, Persona 5 Royal. Mm-hmm. but that I had missed the third semester because I did not raise my confidant score with one of the characters enough, which meant that of course I had to turn around and replay it. So I replayed, okay, and? I replayed all of persona five Royal made sure I got my confidant, but because it was new game plus I didn't have to grind my personal, uh, attributes at all. I was a f- five star and everything. So I didn't have to ever study or Li- nice. or lift I guess I did have to work out because I wanted my HP and my SP to go up but I didn't need to like go work in the bar to raise my kindness or study to raise my knowledge or any of that kind of stuff uh, so I was able to just focus on my social uh, connections so I was able to max out nice. literally everybody I got max rank confidant with everyone which meant I got to see the entire back quarter of the game that I had not seen the first time through and it was delightful, really. And and I think I mentioned this last time, but this cemented it for me. It's in my top ten of all time games. It really is. Wow. Um, it's really That's a good awesome. game. Um, and so that meant that I immediately wanted to play the semi sequel epilogue Persona Five Strikers. So that is what I have been playing mm. since that came in the mail. Um we talked a little bit about how persona five is like a very traditional, like dungeon crawling JRPG where you have dungeons that mm-hmm. you go through, you fight enemies with a team of four. Um, you know, it is turn-based combat, all that sort of stuff. Um, persona five strikers is very different in that it is a dynasty warriors style game. Okay. Um, so it is real time combat, uh, against, dozens and dozens and dozens of enemies at a time uh so it feels extremely different but they're able to import a lot uh, import a lot of the style and some of the functionality of persona into this dynasty warrior style game um because you can still pull out your persona and have them cast big attacks and stuff and like finding out the elemental weaknesses of some of the bigger enemies so that you can switch to different persona and have them cast whatever they're weak against and all that sort of stuff but at the same time you're like button mashing because you're killing dozens of people in a blow it's very very fun 
and it's kind nice. of just it, it's it's kind of a fun story in that uh, like i say it's less a sequel and more of like an epilogue to the original game um because mm-hmm. basically the original game takes place over the course of nearly a year um and this takes place over the course of like your summer break and you basically okay. go on a road trip with the rest of the phantom thieves around japan so they're able to do a lot of new maps um if in the real world spaces as well as new dungeons and stuff um but these new mm-hmm. maps are like oh now they're in you know hokkaido now they're in sapporo or in these different spots instead of just just tokyo um and i'm re- i'm really enjoying it i'm probably about halfway through at this point i think i've uh i think i've beaten four of the monarchs uh, and I think there's six or seven probably. So I'm a, maybe a little over halfway, but I'm really enjoying it. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, it's great. And then also Andor wrapped up this week. Um, and it has firmly cemented itself with its final episode in, in the echelons of maybe my favorite star Wars thing ever. Sorry. Wow. Episode four. Um, mm. it's very good because. I, we can't really talk about it because I don't want to get spoilery, but it's very good in that it shows what happens when real people stand up to real, real structures and real violence that is done against them without having to rely on supernatural or fantastical elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just feels really grounded and very real and very meaningful in the moment in which we find ourselves politically uh economically socially uh, and it just feels like it's really speaking to a lot of those things in a way that star wars has not previously well that's cool i had read and heard some good things about the way it wrapped up that made me go hmm do i want to watch this before january because you know Last time we talked about maybe I needed to wait until the end of the year. I'm still toying around with the idea. It, it has a more hopeful end than I was afraid it was going to, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Without being cloying or pandering or feeling like a cop-out, it does feel more hopeful than I expected. Okay, okay. Good to know. Good to know. Like I say, I'll, I'll, I'll have to see if I, I get around to it in the next little bit. Uh, it just might be one of those things that I kind of decide, you know what, as a treat, I'm going to save it until, Fair. Uh, until next year. So. Fair. Now that it's out, uh, I am going to uh, watch it with my wife. I'm going to have my wife watch it with me. And uh, nice. I think she'll like it. But I also know that she is bad at waiting a week for a new episode of a show. So I was like, why don't we wait till it's done and then you and I can watch it together because then we can watch it back to back to back to back over the course of a weekend or two. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the binge is nice. Sometimes it is. Anyway, um, obviously we didn't have that many uh, pop culture things to talk about because we have been busy um, as you kind of we previewed uh, early on. Um, what have we been so busy doing, both of us? You more than me, even. <laughs> well, so uh, f- for those who are not aware, there's this little thing called NaNoWriMo. stands for National Novel Writing Month. has been around for quite some time. If I'm remembering correctly, I think that the not-for-profit organization that sort of 
runs it was started in like 1997 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's old. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's funny because every time I would tell somebody about it, then I'd have to be like, no, this thing's been around for like 25 years. Um, anyway, the idea behind NaNoWriMo is that you start on November 1st and you write uh, a target goal of 1,667 words a day. And as you arrive at the 30th of November, in theory, you have a roughly 50,000 page novel slash novella uh, done and dusted. And uh, it is something that, you know, uh, we, we both kind of decided, hey, independently, we, we didn't know that we were both each doing this, but we kind of said, hey, let's let's do NaNoWriMo this year. And I told you that I was going to do it. And you told me, Hey, guess what? I'm doing it too. So that has been the reason I have read nothing, watched nothing other than my Sunday night, uh, you know, normal Sunday night Zen TV shows that basically get it so that I can mentally and emotionally prepare to go to work the following day. Uh, but yeah, it has been pretty much if I've had, free time, uh, that is probably what it has been, uh, it has gone to. That is extremely fair. So, uh, what is your word count as of right now? We're near the end of the month. We're not quite to the 30th yet, but what's your word count right now? As of today, November the 25th, I am currently sitting at 51,453 words. Damn boy. <laughs> that's pretty impressive how about you how is how's it going um i am i have not done as well uh dear listeners um <laughs> i am currently at twenty three thousand six hundred and forty two um i am Very however nice. i am however looking at my stats um in the program i used to write it and i have deleted nearly twenty thousand words <laughs> so it is closer to 43 if I counted those 20,000 <laughs> that you've actually written. Um, but the manuscript as it stands is at 23. So, okay. Okay. So, so oh, my no, first ahead. question and, and then, you know, I'll, I'll let you take it since I know you, you prepared more for this than I did. Let's be honest. Uh, what was it that made you want to participate in this? Um, what made me want to participate in it? Uh, so I have some friends who have, you know, I have, I have found myself even in these waning days of Twitter, uh, becoming friends with some really great people who do some really great writing. Um, but that is the sort of stuff that would never get published, um, by a mass market publishing, uh, organization. So most of them end up self publishing. Um, even though mm -hmm. I find a lot of their work to be as good, if not better than, than many of the, you know, mass market published things that I've read in the last few years. Um, and so I've seen and, and participated in, in, in chats with them and, and reading the sorts of things they're doing and having these interactions with all of them. And I was just like, I would love to, to get some of the ideas that have been floating in my head for a while out of my head and, and see what I can, what I can make, uh, out, out of the, the, the vagaries that are floating around in my brain. Um, and that was kind mm -hmm. of the, the, the impetus for me is seeing, seeing these really, you know, moderately successful, uh, manuscripts from these really stellar authors and, and thinking what, why don't I try? 
How about yourself? Yeah. Nice. Um, I have wanted to write fiction of some type for many, many years. I remember when I was in undergrad, I had a spiral bound notebook that I had written uh, the beginnings of a story. And if, if, if memory serves correctly, I had handwritten up to what, and that thing I was at least considering like chapter five or six. Uh, and there's been a bunch of other like short stories and stuff that I have written kind of for my own purposes uh, over the years, but, but nothing really in probably the last, oh gosh, I mean, realistically, very little since medical school and then residency and now, and now work. And uh, like you, I've had some ideas kicking around in my head and some of them have been there for five, six plus years. And I have wanted to participate in NaNoWriMo in the past. I'm one of those weird people who like, if you go and look, like I was buying NaNoWriMo ebook bundles like, you know, just books about how to write plot and how to write dialogue. Sure. Like I've been snagging those from like Humble Bundle or Story Bundle or, or, or other things like that for at least the last five, four or five years. But I just never, you know, I always kind of, oh, I'm busy. And as I've mentioned before, the end of the year is the worst time uh, when it comes to work. And so I always use that as, a, that as an excuse. And I don't know. This year, I just kind of was like, you know what? It's time to like crap or get off the pot. And yeah. I decided that I needed to just do it. Number one, to see, is this something I'm capable of doing? And number two, to go, I kind of just need to get this idea out of my head and see, is there anything decent about this idea? Sure. And so that's this year I was like, you know what? We're going to do it. So if you're at nearly 52,000, how close are you to where you feel like you want to end or kind of pause this story where it stands? Um, you know, if I'm being realistic, I think I probably have about another 10,000 words to go. 10. Um, I think so. I, I'm at where I'm at right now at 51 and a half. I'm looking at it and I really just kind of finally closed off with the bit of writing I did this morning. I closed off what in my head kind of constituted act two and act three was never going to be as long as acts one and two. Sure. But I look at what I still feel like I need to get done and I go, mm, yeah, I think it's probably at least eight, if not 10,000 words. So more. So than I an think I'll probably end at about. Yeah. I, I mean, I still need to wrap up the, the, the conflict. Like I've, I've set up what is going to be kind of the final conflict, but now I need to get there. I need to write that uh, and see. So I expect it will be closer to 60,000 words when I'm done. Okay. And, uh, are you going to keep like trugging, chugging along until it's done and out of you? Or are you going to take a break once you hit December 1st? Um, my goal is to actually have it done by December 1st. So you're going to try to finish those last 10 pages in the, or those yes. last 10,000 words in the next five days or so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's my plan is to continue. Even though I've hit the 50,000 word goal, my plan is to still, you know, I hit 50,000 words yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and so today, even though, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm at 50,000. I was like, no, you know, I, I wanted to finish this scene that I had started working on yesterday. And so I sat down to write that today. 
And, and I'm at a point where I feel like I'm close enough to being done with this that I really, really just want to get it done and out of me so that then I can completely forget about and ignore its existence for the entirety of the month of December. <laughs> and then in January, think about coming back around and starting to, you know, revise sure. and, and go from, from what I have and actually turn it into something that, that I would be comfortable with having somebody else read. Sure. I hear you. So, uh, okay. So a thing I want to do, and you can tell okay. me this is a bad idea if you think it's a bad idea, but I think it'll be fun. <laughs> um, right. Are you familiar with the podcast Just King Things? Have you ever heard of that podcast? No, I have not. It's a pretty great podcast. Um, I, you know, I grew up reading Stephen King a lot. Um, I read a yes. lot of Stephen King as a tween and teen, um, but I haven't really read any of his work since I was a teenager really i you know i finished the dark tower series when it came out and was largely uh dissatisfied with how that thing turned out and i think it kind of soured me towards king and i haven't really read king in the last 15 years or so um but a couple of podcasters and academics that i really like started this podcast project about a year year and a half ago called just king things and what they're doing is reading the books of Stephen King in publication order. Um, so starting with Carrie and then once a month they put out an episode about whichever book he released next. Um, and it's been really instructive to me about the ways that an author grows and changes um, both as time goes on, as their popularity uh, waxes, as their, uh, you know, as their place in the pop culture imaginary becomes, uh, you know, cemented because, you know, in, in 1987, 1.5% of all the books sold in the United States were Stephen King books. Wow. Quite literally. And I don't know what it's like now, but I remember a time when you could not go to the movie theater or turn on the TV without a Stephen King adaptation being yeah. presented to you. Yeah. I mean, it, he is so firmly entrenched, entrenched in like pop culture deity. I mean, the man sells more books than God, quite literally more than literally. scripture. So like it literally sells more than God. Um, and I think that there's still, I still have a lot of fondness towards the books of his that I read when I was a kid. Um, and it's a really interesting podcast just to hear again, the, it is Cameron Kunzelman and Michael Lutz. Uh, they're both academics. They're both PhDs. Um, one of whom like is currently, I think they're both actually currently teaching. Um, and so they just have a really good way of engaging with the media from that angle. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the gimmicks that they do, which is the gimmick that I want to maybe steal, is that at the start of each episode, they impromptu, one of them has to give a five-sentence summary of the book that they read. <laughs> no more, no less, not written beforehand, impromptu, thinking about the storyline, thinking about the plot, thinking about the characters, and saying... Okay, in five sentences, can I tell the main 
thrust of what happens in this book. So my proposal for you is what if we do that for our novels that we're working on? Wow. Okay. I'm game. I'm willing to do it. I'll go first. If you Uh, want, before we started recording, you said something about uh, if my idea makes you uncomfortable, then you can just delete this later. And while it absolutely makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to do it. And I am totally up for it. Okay. I, I'm so, happy. Yes, but I would I'm, love to have you go first. I'm happy to go first because I've been, I, I, you know, I have been thinking about proposing this to you since this afternoon. <laughs> so I, while I do not so have. So it's less impromptu for you than it is for me. I, I have not. I, I have not thought out my five sentences. I'm more familiar sure. with the 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 structure of the five sentence summary. So it'll hopefully be a little bit easier uh, for me to to do it. Oh, and and of course, clauses are totally uh, viable. Um, you just have to uh, make sure that people understand when you're doing parenthetical or or clausal uh, uh, constructions in your sentences. So, just so you know. Okay. Okay. So. My novel, uh, Alejandra, Va- Alejandra Vasquez is a woman who moves back to small town, Iowa, after killing a man on the farm she was working on in Reno to protect someone else, period. Sentence one. Okay. Uh, sentence two. Uh, there she meets Lennon, a beekeeper and firebrand uh who is trying to rally the town against the corporation that is buying up all of the farmland in the area and trying to drive the original owners out of the area so number two uh sentence three uh lennon and alejandra fall for each other very quickly love it love happens quickly um and begin planning a how should i say heist to steal evidence from the corpo to drive them out of town to try to stop them from doing it. So that's three sentences. Uh, Number four, during the heist, things go poorly. Um, And Lennon has to choose between the evidence and their lover, and they choose Alejandra. So that's sentence four. Sentence five, uh, they escape by the skin of their teeth um, without any evidence, but the town, while maybe not cognizant of the specifics of what they've done, recognize that they are fighting for the town and that the town's people are being taken to the cleaners by the corporation and they drive the corporation out by force. Nice. That's my five sentences. All right. So it's my turn now, huh? Also cybernetics because it's set in a cyberpunk future where the earth, where the ocean has warmed so much and so much ice has melted into the ocean that Des Moines is now the East coast of America. Oh, geez. That's some serious 300 meters, baby 300 meters. And that's when you can make Des Moines the (laughs) East coast of America. (laughs) I love that. You know that look, I, I went and I created maps to get exactly, it's actually not 300, it is 277 meters to get the coastline exactly where I wanted it for my book, so. Okay. Well, that's that's excellent. Uh, um, okay. Sentence number one. In a world that is not ours, 
a godlike dude thinks he's helping humanity, but is actually creating a whole lot of problems. And so is trapped and imprisoned by a group of people. There's number one. Period. Okay. Number two. In this world, there are actually two worlds that sort of coexist, each being a, a reflection of the other, a physical versus sort of an energy type world. Okay. Period. Okay. For reasons, at the time our story is taking place, certain people are now able to uh, initially unwittingly draw on some of the power from this sort of mirror realm that exists and coexists with ours, period. Okay, two more. There is a realization by characters in the book that prior to being imprisoned in a final act, the godlike figure fragmented himself and some of those shards of his person are in our world, period. Okay. Sentence number five, one group wants to find one of these shards and use it for nefarious purposes. And the other group, our heroes, are trying to stop them. Okay. All right. Period. That sounds exciting. I don't know if it is or not. We'll find out someday. Yeah, no, I'm very, I'm very curious to read it now. So, uh, thank you, for, thank you for being game for that. I thought, it, I think it's very fun. Oh yeah, no, I, I it's, find, it's a good way to think about it. I, I, I find that structure, the five sentence summary, to be really useful when I'm trying to explain books to people, even if I don't tell them. Well, it comes from this podcast I listen to where these guys are talking about Stephen King. Uh, I'm sure. It's really handy also in like academic work or in like my corporate work where I'm like, oh, I had to read this like boring ass nonfiction book about XYZ thing for work. What are the five things that matter from the stupid book I have to read? Uh, so it's, yeah. I find it really an, a, a useful and instructive uh, tool. Uh, it's really reminiscent, actually, of something that one of my professors had us do. It was a, a literature theory class that I took, and we'd have to read these lit theory books, and then we would have to turn into him a one-page summary of that book, a paragraph summary of that book, and a sentence summary of that book. And you were supposed to write them in that order. And the problem was, is that by the time you got to the sentence summary, you'd be like, well, this is the actual nucleus, and I didn't even get to this in the one-page summary, so now I have to rewrite the entire one-page. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I could totally see that. But happening. it was a really that good way. Something that would happen to me. It, it was a really good way to like work through the concepts that were in these big idea books that we were reading, um, and so I still find that like, okay, I have to. I have to give a elevator an elevator pitch on this thing that I'm engaging with. How would I do that to be really useful? So thank you for for sharing. So, no, no, thank you. It was a good idea. So, so we've been doing this for almost a month. You seem to have been averaging like, you know, 2,000 words a day, basically. Um, yep. What has been harder than you expected? And what has maybe been easier than you expected about the process? I think for me to answer that question, I'm going to have to say it sort of depended at what part of the process I was in. Okay. 
so at the very beginning, I actually found it pretty easy. The first few days I was getting 3,500 to 4,000 words a day. Sure. It took about four days of that for me to be in deep enough that all of a sudden just sitting down and writing the words was hella hard. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was difficult. Um, and then at some point a switch sort of flipped for me where it again started to be surprisingly easy to get the words done. So I would say the last week, maybe even 10 days, it, you know, it was, it was pretty hard for about a week plus or minus in there. And it really felt like, um, it, it was, it was taking significant effort for me to get, to get the words out. Uh -huh. And then there was just, I don't know, something shifted a little bit and, and yeah, I'd say maybe the last week or so as well. It's that part has been surprisingly easy. Interesting. What about you? Well, I, I would, I would love to follow up that with you uh, yeah, on do. that with Go you before it. I answer. Were there, is there specific types of writing or scenes or, or interactions that you're finding easier or harder to put to paper? Like, like, yeah. are you finding like, oh, dialogue flows like water, but when it comes to the action scenes, it's just really clunky and hard or, 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 or what sort of, of experience are you finding there? No, you actually nailed it exactly with that. I'm finding that the dialogue and, and I would even say some of the world building has come pretty easy, but the conflict scenes and in particular the action scenes have been i mean i i think in the end the biggest thing i'm going to do when i revise this is i am going to be adding in more action scenes because i'm pretty sure i've found them difficult enough that i'm just like yeah not going to worry about that i can add that in later let's sure. carry on with the story itself <laughs> and i think you're, you're like me, um she won it, she won. He lost. Moving on. Well, so I'm going to. Yes. And I'm going to actually go and I'm going to look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe as sort of a, a, a way I think my brain is working this way. And that is that while there are some shows, uh, some movies, some shows and things where the action parts of it are really exciting. I mean, come on. There are some scenes in Captain America and the Winter Soldier where I just want to watch the fight scene because they're so tense and, and engaging and gripping for me. But there's a lot of Marvel shows where I'm like, I am so in love with this project. And then we get to the action scene and I'm kind of like, eh. I mean, I, I get why you feel like this needs to be there, but it feels so much less important to what matters in the story. And that's where I find myself where I get to these quote action scenes. And I'm like, I'm just going to crap something out here enough that I know what I need to work on when I come back and revise it because the end, what happens at the end of this action scene is actually what matters, but the scene itself matters a whole lot less. And so I think I find myself not that interested in writing them because I'm kind of interested in, well, where's the story going to go from here? 
Sure. So I think that's why it's been that way for me. Sure. Yeah, I I have found like obviously it sounds like your premise has a lot more action um in it um than mine has so far. Uh I have not gotten I've not reached the denouement when it comes to writing mine. Um so I just have sketches um uh and and uh outlines for those parts so i've not really had to get to the meat of the action scenes yet um so i'm a little apprehensive to get to those um i'm afraid it's going to be hard um yeah yeah but i find i I don't know i i find a lot of joy in trying to find the voices for the characters that 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 i'm making and trying to Uh find ways to to make them seem individuated does that make sense Oh yeah. Like when, and, and part of the thing is like each chapter I'm also, I, I, it's in third person. It's not in first person. I don't know what sort of, uh, writing you're going for. Third person omniscient for the most part. Yeah. With kind of emphasis on different people's views in different chapters and stuff, but it's definitely third person omniscient. That's exactly how mine has been. Um, it definitely from, from particular perspectives and even for myself, I'm putting those in the chapter titles, um, to help guide me as I'm writing those chapters. Like, you know, this chapter is from Alejandra's point of view, even though it's written in third person. So Alejandra is the focus, the focal character here. So I put her name in the, the title of the chapter or Lenin is the focal character. here, So I'll put their name in the, in the chapter head just to remind mm-hmm. me, okay, I, what is Lenin seeing here? How are they interacting with the world? Um, and that sort of stuff. Um, and so it's been really interesting when they're on screen together on screen. Cause you know, I'm, I'm a very visual person. So I'm imagining all of this in my brain, <laughs> but when they're on screen sure. together, oh, I'm doing know, the same in my brain, yeah. you know, I'm trying really hard to make sure that how does Alejandra, react to this what does Ale say how does she respond to what Lenin is doing how does Lenin respond to what Ale is doing and and how are their interactions different even when it comes to like Mm -hmm. the text conversations between them what are the particular you know typing picadillos that Ale has that Lenin doesn't you know Ale never never capitalizes anything or uses uh, punctuation in her text messages, uh, whereas Lenin does. So things like that, I have found really fun. Um, one thing that I thought would be harder than it was, this is embarrassing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. The sex scenes were not as hard as I thought they were going to be. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I got to say it. It's true. Is The juices flow metaphorically and physically like it's just you know you just hit it you hit a point and they just it it just makes sense uh yeah so that has been interesting a little uh embarrassing to say that i that is a thing that is in here um especially if it is a book that i'm like oh hey you know do you want to read this sometime don't worry about the lesbian sex it's fine uh (laughs) but you know one does as, 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 as the book calls for, you know, one does as the book calls for. Um, and there I've just go. been reading a lot of stuff to try to, especially in days like I, I, I like you, 
started really strong and then I have gotten, it's gotten harder for me to get words on the page every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a couple days I've missed, but there eventually my goal, you know, I have fairly bad ADHD in case listeners didn't know that. Um, I was diagnosed when I was like six or seven and I have a fairly, a fairly severe case of it. Not bad enough to need medication for it, but I could probably get the medication if I wanted it. It's bad enough that if I said, yo doc, give me Ritalin, the doctor would be like, you got it, buddy. Uh, but (laughs) I try not to, uh, I've learned to manage it. Uh, I'm very good at stimming. This is what transformers are great for from work for home because I just assemble and disassemble transformers on my desk during every boring meeting that I'm in. Uh, there you go. But so uh, I, I, because I have ADHD, I have the type of ADHD where like I make really big plans and then the first time that plan doesn't happen exactly the way that I planned it, it's like catastrophism. It's like, mm-hmm. it's over for me. I, I missed one day. I didn't hit 1,667. Therefore, this is all moot. I will not participate anymore because that sort of black <laughs> and white thinking is really common to people with ADHD and to the making big plans, having one minor detail wrong with those big plans and then being like, and I'm done. I'm done forever. Um, and I know that that is a thing that happens to me because it could have happened to me because it happens to me all the time with other goals that you make where you're like, I'm going to get better about brushing my teeth and I'm going to do it every day. And then on Tuesday night, you forget to brush your teeth. And then you're like, well, I guess I'll never brush my teeth again. And like, that's not what <laughs> right? you actually do, but you do go like four or five days without brushing your teeth. And then you're like, oh, I got to get back in the habit of brushing my teeth. Don't <laughs> sorry. That I'm gross. Everyone apparently, but like, you know, this is this is just the way that a person with ADHD's brain often works. Um, and so I knew that that was going to happen to me. So I had to make the conscious goal. Even if it does happen, I have to come back the next day. I have to come back the next day. Even if I yeah. don't hit 166, uh, 1,667 words, even if I miss a day because, you know, I'm really depressed or I just don't have anything in my brain. I can't get, I can't get focused enough to like get it on the page. I have to come back the next day. Um, so that has been the biggest goal for me more than getting to 55 or 50,000 more than finishing the manuscript within November. It's been getting in this habit that I can keep even when I miss a day or two, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that's a huge victory, man. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge victory. It's been hard. Um, and the, again, this is this has been a part of my life forever. This is why it took me five years to write a dissertation that I probably could have done in a year and a half if I had been more uh, dedicated to writing it, you know? Mm-hmm. But it took me five years because I would work for a while, I would hit a roadblock, and then I would not work on it for eight months. Okay. And like, I didn't want that to be what happened here. I wanted, if I hit a roadblock to be like, okay, skip, skip to the next chapter tomorrow. We'll put it away for today. Tomorrow we're coming back. We're skipping to the next chapter. We're just leaving this blank. We can come fill in these blanks later or figure out another way to approach this problem. Um, But that has kind of been my goal to not get trapped in that, that, uh, stasis for months and months on end afterwards. Nice. Well, you know, and that sometimes is the key. And, you know, you talked about jumping 
you know, not finishing a chapter. I didn't even realize last night I was writing something and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I need to add a scene in about this thing that, you know, a couple chapters down from where it probably needs to happen. I decided, Oh yeah, I need, I need a scene going a little bit deeper into whatever this thing. Uh huh. And I was glancing back, trying to decide where is it going to fit in? And I looked at chapter 19, which I'd written like two or three days ago. And I realized I'd only written like a third of the chapter because I'd hit that part where I was like, screw it. I know what's happening next with another person. So I'm going to jump to them and, and take it from there. Sure. Uh, and so being able to do that and, and, uh, you know, there've been a few different times I have, I think five or six documents that are just scenes that I was working on something. And all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I think I want a scene about this. And then I just jumped out, went in, wrote that scene, dumped it in the, the kind of folder and then went back and, and tried to keep working on what I was working on. Sure. Um, to, to keep that flow going. Um, but yeah. Speaking of what is your, what's your method for writing? Like, I know you're doing it digitally, but are you, what program are you using? Are you like using a specific, you're like, I write from my iPad in this specific place using this, like, what is your kind of method been? <laughs> so, uh, to, to, to the technical aspects of it question, I will say that it has been exclusively on my 12.9 inch iPad pro, iPad pro with the uh, magic keyboard. It's a nice keyboard. It feels good to type on. What's a magic keyboard? It's, uh, it's Apple's ridiculously overpriced one that has a trackpad and that is it the iPad kind of magnetizes onto it and then floats above the keys when you tip it forward. Does it actually feel good? Mac has never made a good feeling keyboard. No, it feels really good. I don't it's, believe it, you. Okay. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> feel like... <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's I hate membrane keyboard. keyboards. I hate them. It's not a, it, it is a scissor switch keyboard. It is not a membrane keyboard. It is okay. A scissor, scissor switch, switch is better keyboard. than a membrane. Okay. I'll take it. Yep. Nope. They're actual scissor switches. Uh, so it feels pretty good to ride on. Uh, not a ton of travel, but you know, enough travel that you get a, a decent tactile response to it. But I am going to say that writing exclusively on the iPad Pro was not the plan initially. Uh huh. It became the plan because the program I have been using to write is really, really, uh, it's a very capable, very good program for writing as long as you have absolutely no desire to ever use another device for your entire freaking life <laughs> to work on that on. So, <laughs> so, what so I have been using, using Scrivener. Scrivener. I've been okay. using Scrivener, which is kind of one of the go-to, very well-known manuscript uh, writing apps out there. And I bought it years ago because, again, I've been toying around with the idea of wanting to write something like this for many years. And so I bought it. And I have it on the Mac and I have it on my Windows PC and I have it on my iPads. And I started working on the iPad because like that, that roughly 13 inch iPad pro is for me at this point in my life, my number one computing device. I mean, that is without question what I use more than anything else, except probably my phone, because obviously it's always there. Uh -huh. For example, if it was an option, I would be recording this podcast right now on that iPad Pro. 
I am instead using my MacBook Pro because audio hijack and iPads are still real garbage at handling audio streams and do letting you do stuff with them. It's a big, big drawback uh, in, in iPad OS and the way uh, the Apple designs the software. But I edit all of these podcasts on that iPad Pro. Oh, okay. I edit all of any videos I edit in LumaFusion on that iPad Pro. And it's just like the perfect size. It's got the, I've got the Apple Pencil. So I use the Apple Pencil to either take, quote, handwritten. I mean, they're not, they're, they're handwritten notes, but digital. Um, and so really the way I've been doing it is Apple Notes has been my drafting tool where I can take, for example, again, I have issues. Don't judge me or judge me. I don't care. Um, whether I'm using my 13-inch iPad Pro, but no, that's too big. You don't want that. So maybe the 11-inch iPad Pro, or maybe I'm at church, and so I have the iPad Mini in my pocket and the Apple Pencil for that. And so then I can whip the iPad Mini out, flip it open, and just start scribbling down notes with the Apple Pencil. And so so that's where most of my plotting, my, my notes, my thinking about things, that all happens in Apple Notes. And then I sit down to Scrivener and I write using Scrivener. And again, the, the way that the Apple notes will sync immediately. I mean, it is basically instantaneous across every one of my devices. As long as they have some type of connectivity, I can put Scrivener on my iPad and I can have the Apple notes thing kind of floating in a window behind it, work, slide over, look at my note, go back, keep writing, slide over, look at my note, go back, keep writing. Uh, it, it has been actually really pretty, uh, other than, a, well, so I figured out how to set up Scrivener so that it was saving to Dropbox because I wanted it to save to Dropbox. I didn't want it just saving on the machine itself because you should, right? I mean, uh -huh. but you can't really open it from Dropbox on another iPad or on my Mac or on my PC. It doesn't like that. That's hateful. So that was how I got stuck in to just writing on the iPad Pro. And so as, and again, I know I'm talking a lot, as uh, the month is wrapping up, and now that according to NaNoWriMo, I am officially a NaNoWriMo winner, because as soon as you log any number of words that kicks you over 50,000, just like everything just starts popping off. It's like, oh, you won, here's your certificate, and blah, 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 you know, all this kind of, <laughs> it's actually kind of fun stuff, whatever. Uh -huh. But one of the things is, so there's an online thing. I know that you're using Noveler. I am um, using Noveler. There's, there's a similar one that's called Dabble. Uh -huh. uh, Dabble looks like it's a little bit more robust than Noveler. Uh, and Dabble gives you, if you're a NaNoWriMo winner, you get a code sent to you for 50% off uh -huh. a year uh, subscription. And so I am looking at perhaps migrating to Dabble uh, so that it is truly cross-platform and, uh, and device agnostic because Scrivener sadly is not. Yeah, I, uh, I, as you mentioned, I'm using Noveler, which is an extremely bare bones uh, version of that exact thing. Um, and were I to be starting over from scratch again, I don't know that I would use Noveler because it is pretty tetchy, all told. Um, uh -huh. For a while, it was like not letting me delete old chapters that I didn't want to keep anymore. So I just had to like drag them to the bottom of my list of chapters. But then I finally like, I think 
here's what I think it is. I think Noveler is new, it's in beta, and I think a lot of people are using it. And I don't think yes. it was quite ready for prime time yet. Um, so I think that it's suffering from that. It does, however, offer a, a very simple export uh, option. Uh, so I have occasionally backed it up just to be safe. Every three or four days, I will just download the docx version of it and throw it into my OneDrive. So worst case scenario, I only lose a couple days of work instead of everything. Um, Good call. But that hasn't happened yet. Um, but were I to be doing it again, I would probably just do it in Word Online because... That is also device agnostic for me because I can use that anywhere. That's true. I can use it in the, uh, you know, I I have a license so I can use it on my laptop. I can use it at work in my work laptop. I could use it on my phone in a worst case scenario. Um, So, yeah, if I were to do it again, I'd probably just use the office tools that I already pay for. Um, But here we are. Yeah, I thought about that because, uh, again, you know, Word has actually a very nice iPad version um, that I could use that or use it online or, or any of that. Uh, the, the thing I have liked about Scrivener, and, and I'm going to need to play around with Dabble a little bit and make sure that it still at least meets these needs, was kind of having a sidebar there with a folder that was titled Research. And in that Research sure. folder, it's not really Research, but that was where I could have character sketches and you know notes about a place or a location and that kind of stuff sure it was nice to be able to be in whatever chapter i'm working on go over to that sidebar boom open that up immediately snip just right back to the the chapter the document chapter that i was working on that makes sense and you know words not quite designed for I mean, you can do all that stuff. It's just a little bit slower and a little and a few more steps to do that jumping yeah. around and everything. So, uh-huh. yeah, but. I uh, I have been keeping that sort of stuff um, in a OneDrive or in a OneNote. So that is likely what I would do. Also, if I were using Word, is just have all of those like all that errata in a OneNote because that is even easier for me to use on my phone if I'm like somewhere and I want to pop something in there because OneNote's also what you know like my wife and I use to do our grocery list so like I'm constantly using OneNote uh. um, so that would have been really easy. Scrivener's one of those things that like I always kind of meant to learn when I was in grad school because it had been uh, rec- recommended to me as a as a great tool with which one could write a dissertation but I also just did my dissertation in Word so I know how to make Word do what I need it to do because uh, I For have sure. already written a 200 page book with 57 images in it so there you go. I know how to make. You know, word I, do I will it say, I will say one other app that I use, uh, and, and I use it kind of a lot. It's called Drafts. Um, it, it's iPad, iPhone, Mac, so it's all Apple specific. But the thing I love about it is it launches immediately and immediately goes to a blank note where you can just capture the text. And even more important for me is I actually have a complication on my Apple Watch watch face where I tap it and almost instantly it is ready to transcribe a note for me. And so even if I'm just like walking through the halls, I just reach down, I tap that button on the watch face, I dictate that thought into drafts, and then I hit close. And I know that that's now going to be on my phone, my Mac, my iPad. And then I can kind of come in and drafts is really cool in that it has a lot of really powerful actions 
in terms of what you can do with this text other than just copy it to this. I mean, you, it, it's a full Markdown editor if you like to use Markdown, but you can set up all sorts of rules where it's like with one click, it's going to copy it and it's going to export it to this other program and then bring it in as, you know, it's going to bring it into Scrivener as a new sheet or into Ulysses as a this or that kind of stuff. So that's been the the key for me when I'm in a place where it's going to be a little awkward to pull out my phone and sit there and thumb type or whatever. I just on my watch, tap drafts, dictate into it, whatever thought I needed to get out of my head and then close. And then I know I've got it there and then I can pop open drafts on something else and kind of take action with that text that I captured really. Nice. Yeah, that seems, yeah. It, it, it's really nice to see how easy that sort of stuff can be. Cause like, my my gut reaction would be normally let me grab my notebook and a pen and like jot this stuff down but then i have to transcribe it later and blah 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 blah. Uh-huh. so i found it a lot easier to just do that stuff straight into something i could at least copy paste from um yep. but such is life so kind of to wrap up since we're at about an hour how would you holistically rate your experience in doing NaNoWriMo. Do you feel like it was, or is, because we still have a few days left, do you feel like it's a thing you're glad you've done? Is it a thing you would maybe do in the future? Or is this like, I did this this one time, I'm never going to do this again? Like, what sort <laughs> of, how, how have you felt about this experience of of working on this manuscript and getting, you know, five-sixths of the way through, through this novel that you've been kicking around in your brain for years? I... Uh, at this point would say that this has been uh, for me a really, really great experience. I am very glad I finally decided to do it. I absolutely plan on doing it again next November and uh, am really, while it was, there's definitely some times where it's been challenging and there were some times where it was like, look, I was getting up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning so that I could work out make sure boys were up and then write before I went to work because I knew that there wasn't going to be any time afterwards. There were times where it really, it felt like a chore, but having gotten to the point where I'm at and, you know, having an end within sight and going, damn, I actually did this thing. Yeah. Uh, I've, I feel really positive about it and I'm really, really happy that, uh, that I committed to doing it and that I, I went after it this year. So I don't know. What about you? I feel the same. Like, I feel like it's been really useful as a part of my day um, because largely what I have done is, you know, my dogs wake up between 530 and six, depending on how rambunctious they're feeling. And then I take them out and I bring them in and get my wife off to work. because She needs to be there by seven. And then I would have this weird liminal time before I needed to start work. But like all of my morning duties were complete. And that was when mm-hmm. I found was like the witching hour to get, you know, at least a few hundred words in is I would, you know, I'd make a big pot of coffee and I'd get my first mug and I would sit down and turn on some weird music and just start writing. Uh, yeah. And I really want to keep doing that. Uh, even outside of NaNoWriMo, I want this to become like, a thing that I do on the reg 
as like yes. a regular part of my life because part of the problem or situation, however you want to describe it, is that, you know, I, I have imagined this dystopian cyberpunk future of the United States and I'm doing it like I, I've read and am reading a fair amount of cyberpunk because I want to make sure that mm-hmm. like I'm not retreading things that have already been done in the genre. I want to make sure that I'm bringing something new and fresh. And I think that a rural focus is something that you don't often slash hardly ever see uh, in in cyberpunk. Um, and so that was one of the big things that I wanted to do in this book that I'm working on is to make it be small towns, farm town, cyberpunk. Um, mm-hmm. but I have had a lot of other ideas about other people, other conflicts, other factions, other sorts of difficulties that would arise in this future that has been created that I'm really excited about writing other stories in it, you know? Nice. Um, and so I have, I have bare bones ideas for at least three other novels or novellas in this same setting that would be not necessarily direct sequels to one another. If anything, they would just be kind of maybe interconnected, like a minor character from one might show up in another but not like the continuing stories of these two people. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I, I want to keep working on this. And one of the big things, as you know, I said, I, I've written like 43,000 words, but my actual manuscript only has 23,000 in it. Obviously uh-huh. that means I do a lot of editing while I'm writing. Um, and I'm not very good at just shitting out a first draft um, and then leaving it be. That is in fact, one of the things I'm the worst at. Um, <laughs> And so I would like to get better at that though, at just like getting it out of my brain and then coming back a days later, perhaps and doing all of that addition. But I, uh, sometimes I find that hard while I'm writing. And so I type a bunch of stuff sure. and then I delete it all. And then I type a bunch of stuff and then I delete it all. And then I type a bunch of stuff and then I delete it all. Um, and I find that to be kind of hard sometimes because I'm like, I, I've done a lot more than it looks like on paper. I've done, I promise. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. That, that was definitely for me, one of the mental switches that flipped, uh, that made the second half of the month a lot easier. Um, in fact, I think it was maybe yesterday morning or maybe it was Wednesday I was writing and I'm like, I sat there thinking, I'm like, how am I going to say this? And then I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to say it in the most boring, plain way possible. But then it said, and I can come back and I can worry about it later. So, you know, what I kind of, the term I've used is I have learned to embrace the suck, (laughs) you know, and and go, it's okay. This is going to suck. There are some scenes that I really, really like that I've written. There are quite a few scenes that I don't like at all. And they're kind of crappy in terms of how I said them, but at least I said it. And so now I go, yep, that's going to be come January. That's where I'm going to come back and I'm going to figure out how to say these things better. Sure. So, but it was definitely, it was a mindset change that had to happen for me to get to that point. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think that it's been a really good experience. I'm glad that we did it and I'm glad that we like, yeah, me too. Both decided to do it at the same time and have been kind of been able to like chat with each other about the process. 
Yeah. That has been fun as well. It was, you know, I found that there's a local Pocatello, Idaho, NaNoWriMo group. I don't know how active they really are. I have not gone to any of their, I mean, like three times a week, they'll have a ride in where you could go and get around other people and write. And I, I haven't done any of that because I'm uh, an inc- incredibly introverted and have severe social anxiety. But, um, you know, it was kind of cool to know there are other people out there doing it, but it was a lot better to be able to talk to you about it or, you know, in our kind of family discord that we have, you know, keep track of how each other's doing and, and update and that kind of stuff. So that, that's been really a positive thing for me as well. Yeah, me too. Well, so if you want to keep writing, are you planning on like holding off and coming back for round two in November or do you want to make it a more like consistent part of your of your weekly life I definitely want to make it a more consistent part of my weekly life Uh, what I'm planning on doing right now is once I've kind of wrapped this up enough that I've metaphorically got a bow on it I I mean not until I'm all done because I I don't I, I would like to continue to write other stuff even while I'm editing and and working on this um but, you know, I, I frequent the uh, writing prompts subreddit, uh, and there are often some very interesting little brief writing prompts. And so I think I'm going to actually try and do that regularly, at least a couple times a week. Look at one of those writing prompts, see something that I think is interesting and and see if I can get, you know, 1500 words or so out uh, for whatever little prompt I happen to see just to kind of flex that muscle a little bit because, sure. you know, I too, uh, there is a, if I wanted to, I have it set up so that in the world of this book that I am working on, there are a lot of other books and stories that I could tell in it also. Sure. And so I kind of want to flex those muscles a little bit doing something else before I try and worry about that. So nope, definitely want it to be an ongoing regular part of, uh, of my, my weekly schedule. Very cool. Well, as I have offered off mic, if, and when you want an editor, hit me up, baby, I'm here. I will. I will. Cause I'm very curious. You're one of read. the few people that off the top of my head, I can think of that. I would, uh, I would be at, the, <laughs> I'd be okay. Letting them read it at this point. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, give me a little bit of time to polish it and then I'll let you read. Obviously. It, yes, obviously. No, you're, you're definitely on the short list of people to whom I am going to turn uh, to get some outside uh, perspective on. Yeah. So I guess my last question before we finish up would be, what do you want to do with it once it's done? Once you've edited it, once you've handed it off to other people to edit, um, do you have any idea of what you would like to do with it afterwards, if anything? I don't. Um would it be great to try and publish it? Sure. I mean, if I do, it would be a self-published kind of thing, but I really want to just, I want to get it complete and then see what do I think about it before I didn't, I know what I want to do with it next. That's fair. That's super fair. So, so I don't know. It will kind of depend, I think on how the editing and the polishing process goes. If it's something that I, you know, want to kind of put on a, digital shelf and say, there we go. I did that. Or if it's something that I want to say here, let me self publish this. And, or, or even if it's something that's like, Hey, let me export this as an EPUB and go to go knock yourselves out. Yeah. 
I'm just too much of a fetishist. If I'm going to finish this thing, I want it to be published and I want to hold it in my hand, even if that is just doing a digital copy like through Amazon where you can also get a paperback of it, you know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I just totally like, I, I, I like having a thing. I say as like, I still don't have a copy of my dissertation, even though my father-in-law offered to buy me one a year and a half ago. At one point I need to <laughs> finally have my physical copy of my dissertation on my shelf. Still don't, whatever. Uh, but I do like that kind of stuff. So I, you know, I think that would oh, be definitely. fun someday. Yeah, it would. Well, cool. Would. Uh, I think it's been great. Uh, I am excited yeah. to keep writing and uh, to also keep reading other things to inspire me to write more. Definitely. I agree. So uh, we will wrap up there. Um, if you have any comments uh, or questions or anything like that, you can reach out to us at feedback at the middle of culture.com. Um, you can always go and leave us reviews or uh, star ratings on the podcast platform of your choice because it does help people find the show. Uh, also, I will give you a kiss if you give me five stars. <laughs> so that's always the promise. If you want a kiss, I'll just give me five stars. I'll give you a kiss. Um, I mean, geez, well, we should have a ton of five star reviews. I'm saying I'm a good kisser. Ask my wife. <laughs> anyway I'll uh, take her word for it <laughs> that's fair look it doesn't it, it can just be a forehead kiss it can be whatever kind sure. of kiss you want I'll kiss you on the forehead I'll kiss you on the cheek whatever you want there uh, you go anyway we'll wrap it up there um, until next time uh, I am Eden and I am Peter and we have been chatting with you and that's not how we end this show we don't end this show no, saying was, our names again I just was following suit. I didn't know what you were doing, but I just went with it. Do you know what it is? The podcast I used to make with my wife, that's how we ended it. I would always end by saying my name and she had said, and I am still and say her name or there she'd say, go. I have always been Cassie. That's what she would say. <laughs> uh, I like that. So anyway, apparently like just try a new thing uh, invaded my brain for a little bit while we were uh, making this podcast. But anyway, thanks for listening and uh, chat with y'all later. Bye.